the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. 602508-0960. Your show here on out. I am Seth Liebson. Glad to have you with us. I was just talking about the 70s and 80s a little bit in the last segment and doing so with my producer, Bill. There was a point to it I wanted to bring up. Bill and I are both fans of the Adam Carolla podcast, and uh, I think in a weird way we catch different parts of it, but somehow we, at the end of a week, can catch up in our weekly production staff meeting here, and we we find the unified theme. One theme about Adam Carolla is of late, and I can't figure out what the whole big deal is about it was he's been re-watching a lot of Love Boat shows from the 1970s, the old um, the old Gavin McLeod show. And why, Bill? Because he thinks it's such a good insight into the ethos of the 1970s, a period he didn't know enough about in his own growing up, I, I guess. And And if you want an instruction on what the 80s were like, I can't think of a lot of 70s shows that may have given you an idea of the 70s. But Love Boat comes about as close as you can. I love the 70s shows. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, watching Bob Newhart doesn't exactly give you a sense of the 70s. It gives you a sense of tie width, maybe. But I can see what Love Boat does. The 80s shows could do the 80s. They were all very tied to the time, as could much of the movies, by the way. Uh, People forget how anti-communist the movies were in the 80s, but they sure were. Tom Clancy was was rocking it. Um, The kids' movies were, were, you know, about Russians invading. Um, And, of course, you know my my gig with uh, Magnum P.I., which was anti-Soviet, anti-drug, pro-Reagan, pro-Vietnam vet, and all that. And that's why I find so much um, uh, out of the Magnum P.I. show, as well as just brilliant writing by, uh, by, the, uh, by the writers and what it represented, uh, which is not what Hollywood does today. Fine. I don't want to get too caught up on Hollywood. I just want to explain, if you want to teach your kids why there's some nostalgia for the 80s or why we liked the 80s, um, you could do worse than showing them a show that depicts it pretty well like Magnum P.I. If you need an understanding that it was conservative, you shouldn't. But uh, you will find episodes, or at least one, where Magnum P.I. is reading an issue of National Review. Uh, And it's very clear that this is the message they're trying to impart to the audience. Um, It's not what you get today. My God. But if you want to teach your kids the 80s, show them Magnum P.I. They're all great movies. Uh, A friend of mine is showing his kids. They all loved it. They're all loving it. It stands the test of 30-odd years. Um, this is an important story that will mean nothing in the long run. It's an important story that will mean nothing about the George Floyd trial. But it's just very similar to the story 
of O.J. Simpson's exoneration when one of the jurors raised the Black Panther fist and showed it to O.J. as the verdict was just finished being read. It shows a tainted jury. It also shows that there's nothing that can be done about it or nothing that will be done about it. John Hinderocker writes that one of Derek Chauvin's jurors, Brandon Mitchell, has gone public, and it appears that he may have been less than honest during jury selection and is, in fact, a BLM activist. Got that? We had a BLM activist on the Chauvin jury. Here's the post-millennial quote. A juror on the Derek Chauvin trial who told the court that he had no prior knowledge of the George Floyd case was photographed last August wearing a shirt that read, Get Your Knee Off Our Necks and BLM. He stated last week he saw jury duty as a means to, quote-unquote, spark change, close quote. Well, that's not what a jury is about. In fact, um, this is what was said about juror number 52, Brandon Mitchell, by the attorneys on the case. Judge Cahill, this is contemporaneous back in March of this year. Judge Cahill asked juror number 52 whether he had heard anything about the George Floyd case. He says no. He explained hearing some basic info about trial dates, etc., but nothing that would keep him from serving as an impartial juror. And yet here we have a Facebook post his uncle passed on last August showing this juror in a t-shirt I'm looking at that says, get your knee off our necks, BLM. Oddly enough, it has a picture of Martin Luther King Jr., who I just, when he talked, Martin Luther King Jr. would not have affiliated with BLM. Martin Luther King Jr. gave speeches saying, I'm not into racial superiority. I'm not into black power. I'm not into white power. We want to reduce the power of race. That's what Martin Luther King said, why he would be attached to be. See, this is the problem with racism on the left. It makes everyone one thing. Just because you're black, you think the way I think you think. Or just because you're X, you think Y, we had a woman, actually. Bill, do you have that uh, audio now that I'm thinking about it? We had a black woman on uh, on uh, Twitter, res- on Instagram, sorry, rep- responding to Alyssa Milano. This is a black woman saying she's had quite enough of these white liberals telling her how she's supposed to think. Listen to this. For those of us who are not black men, imagine watching the news and seeing how people... Imagine being a black man and being told by some white lady with a microphone that you and the criminal on TV are one and the same because you look alike. Imagine being told by society that white people can be all that they can be, but you as a black man, the content of your character is completely irrelevant. You are the color of your skin and that is all you will ever be. Imagine being told you can't figure out how to vote because of the color of your skin. Socioeconomics affects everyone, but apparently you're not as smart as the poorest white person. Lady, I don't want to hate you. I'm a 90s kid. I grew up with you, so I know you're very talented. I understand your heart is in the right place, but you are everything you preach against. You're not helping. You're making things worse. You're causing more division. You're causing more fear. Statistically speaking, I am more likely to be shot and killed by my black elderly neighbor across the street than the cop who patrols my neighborhood. 
Statistically speaking, homicide by cop is very rare, but people like you find power in fear, so you keep it front page news. You don't have to be a white supremacist. You can be better. Nice. It is white supremacy um, to tell someone of a different race how they think or how you think they should think, just as it's racism to graft on to your beliefs someone who wouldn't necessarily share them. And in this case, I could make a convincing argument would not share them just because they're of the race of the of the slogan that you are um, uh, promulgating. To put Martin Luther King again over a picture of BLM, as I said, is absurd. Just absurd. He did not like the notion of dividing people up by race. He did not. He specifically spoke against the notion of black power. This was the talk of Stokely Carmichael, which um, he had wanted nothing more to do with once Stokely uh, Carmichael took over the um, – the uh, st- uh, SNCC Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Um, anyway, back to the Chauvin trial. Uh, when you wear a T-shirt that says Black Lives Matter and get your knee off our necks, that's not exactly a neutral juror going into the uh, Derek Chauvin trial, nor is it a truthful one. Um, this is what Mitchell said in a subsequent interview. Speaking on a show called Get Up, Mornings with Erica Campbell, he said that people should, quote, say yes to jury duty as a means to promote societal change. I mean, it's important if we want to see some change. We want to see some things going different. we got to get into these avenues, get into these rooms to try and spark some change during duty. Those are the things we got to do, close quote. It seems clear that Derek Chauvin was convicted by a jury not of his peers, but that included some who never should have been selected because their minds were already made up. Not surprising, given the pervasive and uniformly anti-Chauvin publicity that went on for nearly a year before the trial, and others, like the alternate who gave interviews last week, who were sensitive to the fact that they were deliver- if they delivered a wrong verdict, homes would be burned down. Hinderocker concludes this way. It's interesting. Whether Chauvin was guilty, I don't know. We all know what he did. We saw it on video. Was it the cause or causes of death? And what was Chauvin's intent and state of mind? We'll never know. I don't think Chauvin got the kind of aggressive defense he deserved, but I also think given the overwhelming pretrial publicity and the inhuman pressures on jurors that it probably didn't make any difference, and this story won't make a difference either. But let not history forget to record it either. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. My friends at Trades Unlimited wanted me to remind you that foam roofs here in the Valley are a great option for a lot of homes. And that's where they, Trades Unlimited, come into play. Not only do foam roofs help insulate from our most extreme Arizona heat, They also help insulate your home from exterior noises, and most importantly, they protect your house from water leaks. I've met the folks at Trades Unlimited. I've gone down to their offices and warehouse. It is a great team, great people, great work ethic, high-quality craftsmanship, the highest. They have a triple – excuse me, they have an A-plus rating at the Triple B, the Better Business Bureau. I can tell you I can understand why. They are just measure twice, cut once, friendly folks. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. 
The hot summer sun is perfect for foam recoats. Protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends at Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775 or visit them online at tradesunlimited.com. That's tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Now, in the previous segment, I was talking about black power a little bit. I'll give you what Martin Luther King said about it later in the show. He was opposed to it. I think he would be opposed to the notion then of BLM. His last protest, the men were standing there saying, I am a man. All these black men in the sanitary sanitation strike had signs saying, I'm a man, not I am a black man. I'm a man. They wanted equal rights based on what was said in the Declaration of Independence, not power because of their race and not special treatment because of their race any more than they were about punitive treatment against other people's race. Because you can't be um, giving benefits to someone because of their race without being punitive to someone else because of theirs. And that's something King well understood. But this whole notion of power, it's cognated to this notion of privilege, isn't it? Who gets what and who gets what by culture and society, cultural and societal sanction? Is there a systemic bias in favor of certain people? And I have spoken of Adam Carolla earlier. I think I did at the top of the hour. He did a recent Prager University on this whole notion of privilege. I should like to play it for you now, Bill, if we have time, do we? Let's let it rock. Privilege. What's the obsession with privilege? It's driving me nuts. Not only didn't I have privilege, I don't even know how to spell it. I think there's a D in there somewhere, isn't there? If I told you a story about a kid who grew up poor, product of divorce, did a lot of dumpster diving, sister ran away at age 14, welfare and food stamps. If I told you that kid was black, you'd go, well, yeah, that's because of systemic racism. But if I told you that kid was me, you'd go, well, what? What are we doing? What happened to your privilege? The real white privilege isn't privilege. It's knowing that nobody cares about you, good or bad. No one's going to do anything for you because you're white, and no one's going to do anything against you because you're white. I'll give you an example. When I get pulled over by a cop, I assume it's either because I was speeding or the cop's an overficious jerk. But either way, my skin color doesn't play in. If I was black, I'm assuming that it was driving while black or that he was profiling me. Let me give you another example of the white privilege I'm talking about. The privilege of not obsessing over privilege. I had a neighbor call the police on me during the day, during the middle of the week, when I was doing a construction project because our phone lines got crossed. So I picked up the phone to call Anna Walt Lumber. My neighbor picked up the phone. I said, oh, sorry, I think there's our lines got crossed somehow. Next thing I know, a police cruiser rolled up to my home. Now, if I was black, I would have no choice but to think that was racially motivated. I mean, why else would your neighbor call the cops on you because your phone lines got crossed unless, in fact, you're black? And as a matter of fact, I'm not even black, and I think it was a racist incident. 
Do you get it? Whites do have privilege, but not the privilege the race hustlers are selling. I don't think people really drill down enough on this. I've had horrible things happen to me my entire life. I've had school teachers and counselors that were horrible. I've had construction foremen who treated me like crap. I've had program directors who treated me like crap. And the good news is, is I'm white. So I just know they're a-holes, not racist. Why do we want anyone worrying about someone else's privilege? Who cares? This is America. You make your own breaks. Anyway, isn't the goal not to judge a person by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character? I think I heard that somewhere. What's the guy's name? Marty? Anyway, privilege means you have it better than most, not that you have it better than some. How about tall people? Tall people have an advantage over short people. Thin people have an advantage over fat people. Attractive people, you're welcome, have an advantage over the homely There are always going to be people lower than you on the totem pole, no matter what color your skin is. Wait a minute. Are we allowed to say totem pole? I feel like that's racist. Every minority person living in the United States in 2021 is doing better than people living in the Congo, Bangladesh, or many other places around the world. And if you don't believe me, then why they're all trying to get here? Do the math. We're a systemically racist country that people are trying to kill themselves. They're literally risking their lives trying to get into the systemically racist country. Let's just say this country was a facility and the facility was systemically racist. And every year people died trying to hop the fence and climb the wall to get into the facility. People of color. Would that make sense? The great news is, is that if you're willing to bust your hump, there's no better country to do it in. So maybe we should stop obsessing on skin color or gender or sexual proclivities and get on with the hump busting. You know what would fix all this nonsense? A little gratitude. You got up this morning. You put your shoes on. Your fridge was full. You hugged your kids. You said goodbye to your wife. You said hello to your girlfriend. Gratitude for living in the best country in the world at the best time to live in the best country in the world. Whatever your skin color is, there's no better country than the United States to call your home. I'm Adam Carolla for Prager University. And that's something the left will never get or never agree to, which is why they like to dwell and soak and think we are all surfeited with this notion of privilege. I think Adam's right. I think we have this thing misunderstood. It's not that nobody does anything good or bad. It's that we attribute all the good and all the bad to certain races. That's that's a recipe. Not for giving privilege to those that have been underprivileged but to make everyone underprivileged because none of us equal the way we were conceived by our founding and as seen by the face of God. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. I have more on this. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Just thinking during the break a few, about a few of these stories, putting together about what 
what the future will look like with this notion of um, mask wearing as your patriotic duty, as the president keeps reminding us, telling us. Um, could you see 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now someone um, looking back or maybe even doing a movie about a dystopian society where everything about that society, everything it thought it knew about itself was changed. Its founding, the meaning of its founding, the celebration of its founding, thus no longer permitted because you would learn the original meaning of its founding, the redefinition of words such that patriotism is no longer celebrating the war that uh, gave us independence and the Declaration of Independence it was based upon, but wearing masks. Could you see a book like that? The problem is those books have been written. The problem is those books have been written by George Orwell. Those books have been written by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, There are countries in our lifetime that lived that way, existed that way, maintained power that way. Bill Maher, in his, what shall we call it, ongoing, I don't know how to put it, because I'm not sure he's aware of what he's doing here exactly, but in his ongoing honesty, Let's just say that. Let's give him credit for that. In his ongoing honesty, maybe new discovered, newly discovered honesty, he took on the left again this past Friday. He said a third of people under 35 say they're in favor of abolishing the police, not defunding, but doing away with the police force altogether. 35, excuse me, a third of people under 35 – 36% of millennials think it would be a good idea to try communism in America. But much of the world did try it. I'm quoting Mar. But much of the world did try it. I know. Millennials think that doesn't count because they weren't alive when it happened. That's funny. Abolish the police and the border patrol and capitalism and Cancel Lincoln while we're at it. No, I get it. He said, quote, the problem is that I don't get what you're the problem isn't that I don't get what you're saying or that I'm old. The problem is your ideas are stupid. Continuing the quote, if you say, let's eat in the bathroom and use the kitchen as what we use the bathroom for. Yeah, that may be a new idea. But I wouldn't call it interior design. Yes, Bill Maher um, becoming the adult liberal in the room slowly, um, maybe not knowing it, maybe not even meaning to, but becoming that very adult in the room nonetheless. I just want to catch him up about 10 years. I want to speed him up about 10 years to get us to where we are today because I think – where we are today, masks as a patriotic duty. I think where we are today with that kind of notion, while at the same time Joe Biden's administration is not allowing South Dakota to have its fireworks celebration on the 4th of July at Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore? 
Donald Trump gave a speech. There was a beautiful celebration. Mount Rushmore does it every year. Let's cancel it. Let's not let people appreciate their founding. This was the book 1984. This was the concept of the memory hole. This was the concept of the party. This was the short story Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. This was Laughter in a Time of Forgetting by Milan Kundera. These books have been written already. We've lived through them, as Bill Maher says. Why do we want to do it to ourselves again? This is the point of Adam Carolla's PragerU lecture. We used to live when color mattered. We didn't want that. We didn't want color to matter. Why are you making it matter? Why are we doing everything now that we used to think of as unmitigated evil and calling it the progressive way to be. Isn't that an interesting concept? Desegregation was a good. Now it's an evil. It was an evil then. It's a good now. Judging people by skin. Bad then. Good now. Bad if you don't do it now. Unmitigated, agreed-upon evils have now become progressive wish lists. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're tired of those power bills that you know you're going to be getting this summer and the power increases that come with them, you may want to consider going solar. And if you are considering going solar, please consider my good friend Solar Sandy, who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. Not only that, she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important when you go solar, you do it the right way. Solar Sandy has the formula. She is the right way. Appointments available in person or by Zoom if you prefer. I urge you to read the testimonials on her website, AskSolarSandy.com. They're amazing. She's got a great reputation for honesty. She knows what trustworthiness means, and she has a great deal for you, too. If you sign up now, she'll pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. That's right, a $1,000 bonus at signing, your solar panel payments for one year covered, and your power bills for one year. To get started, go to AskSolarSandy.com. That's AskSolarSandy.com, or give her a ring at 623-840-8200. Two nine. Um, I wanted to uh, say another word on Joe Biden and patriotism, because this notion that wearing a mask is is patriotic, but celebrating the Fourth of July isn't, um, and that he will let us know where and how many people we can and cannot have at our homes for our Fourth of July barbecues, which he said he would do. And he has now canceled the Mount Rushmore fireworks, annual fireworks display. I go to our friends at Issues and Insights who write, Years ago, while campaigning as Barack Obama's running mate, Joe Biden said it was our patriotic duty to pay higher taxes. It's hard to decide if these statements about masks and taxes are more akin to the ramblings of a child or uncomfortably similar to the Third world despots who demand obedience from their subordinate citizens. Frankly, they're both making a distinction virtually impossible. When we hear Biden try to force his view of patriotism on the country, we think of Woody Allen's bananas 
1971 comedy in which a Castro-style revolutionary declares that not only from this day on the official language of the Banana Republic of San Marcos will be Swedish, in addition, all citizens will be required to change their underwear every half hour. Underwear will be worn on the outside so we can check. It's about commanding, not persuading. Biden wakes up every morning in the White House, uh, whether he knows it or not, as he said, but that doesn't give him the authority to define patriotism, nor to expect us to follow without question or dissent. We concede that patriotism may be difficult for some to define. We're familiar with the line that one man's terrorist is another's patriot, and we're aware that waving the flag is sometimes nothing more than just creating a light breeze, but we also know that George Washington warned us to guard against the impostures of pretend patriotism, and that Theodore Roosevelt said patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president or any other public official. Biden wants us to use his version of patriotism as a blunt instrument to forward the agenda of the left, which supports the most unpatriotic ideas imaginable. The left, a retrograde tribe made up of almost every Democratic Party official and politician, nearly every member of the media and most of the entertainment industry, does not believe in freedom outside of special privileges it's carved out for itself. Respect for and defense of freedom should be the most patriotic act of all, considering that this nation was founded to establish an island of liberty in a world controlled by czars and emperors and dynasties and queens and kings. We recall that it was not that many months ago while Donald Trump was still president when left argued that dissent was patriotic. Yet now patriotism to the left means preferably blind and enthusiastic compliance with government authority, conformity of thought, sheepishly handing over private resources to political leaders and wholesale surrender to economic central planners. While we'll leave it to Americans to define patriotism for themselves, we will remind them what it isn't. It's not employing the jackboot of the state. It's not bullying an ostensibly free people into submission. It's not the erasure of our history, and it's most certainly not whatever sophomoric nonsense comes out of Joe Biden's mouth. Just right. Just so. Perfect. That's exactly right. Now, they made the point that it's difficult. It can be difficult to define patriotism. I don't think it is, and I don't think it should be. I think it's a pretty simple thing to define patriotism. The dictionary isn't a bad start. The quality of devotion and vigorous support for one's country. And the etymology is just as fine. Patriotism as, um, as, as uh, the word patriot is as a matter of where the word comes from. We, we most of us know it. Patria is fellow countrymen or patria, father, pater, father fatherland. The question that is inevitable here is, well, how do you distinguish patriotism from nationalism? Well, if you're the left, you don't. If you're the left, you don't. You take both down. Nationalism 
is what unites, it's a feeling of pride that unites a nation around the pride of the nation itself. Think of our national anthem. What's the first cultural institution on left attacked in the last three years? The national anthem. National anthem. That's the first thing they took apart. They don't distinguish between love of country and love of nation or love of ethos of country or love of nation. Do you know why I know that? Because they wanted to get rid of all of it. They didn't try and reinterpret 1776 the way the Confederates did. They tried to invent a whole new date altogether. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Speaking of black power, here's the quote from Martin Luther King, 1966 commencement speech, Monmouth University. We've heard a lot of talk over the last few months of black power, and we've started hearing talk of white power. But I don't talk about black power or white power. I would prefer to believe in a kind of striped power where black and white together we work to achieve the legitimate power that all of God's children must have to function in life. The fact is that there is no separate black path to power and fulfillment that does not intersect white routes, and there is no white path to power and fulfillment short of chaos that does not share that power with black aspirations for freedom and human dignity. What we must come to see is that we are tied together, and every black is a little white, and every white person is a little black. All of our music, our language, our material prosperity, even our foods are an amalgam of black and white. So the black man needs the white man to save him from his fears and the white man needs the black man to save him from his guilt. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. John Donne was right. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind, therefore... Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Until tomorrow. God bless. I'm Seth Leapson. Class dismissed.